0: I wanted to take a moment to thank Mrs. Wilkerson for inviting me. It was a blessing and an honor and the Mercy Suite and all the ladies, Sarah Mitchell and others who put beautiful and many delicious treats. And I wanted to thank just First Baptist, the investment in my life and my husband's life and Hiles Anderson College and all the glory is the Lord's. But along that journey and that path that he leads, he puts people and our path and he uses people to pour into us you know through all the testimonies and so many things i think about mrs noonan from wisconsin and where i am down there needing someone to talk to needing help and and i would call mrs noonan and every time you have the holy spirit erica you have the holy spirit erica and i'm thinking i want somebody to tell me okay say this do this this is what you do this is what you say but no She just kept reminding me, you have the Holy Spirit, Erica. That's what he's there for. And that was what I needed because she grounded me. And there's so many others who the Lord has used through these years to pray for us. And so many of you here, you have supported us for so many years on the mission field. And to God be the glory. And it's just a blessing. It's the privilege of my life and that the Lord will be our heritage and we get to serve him. And we have so many people standing with us and partnering with us. And I praise the Lord for my husband. He's been so good to me and so patient, and the Lord is just so good to help us and to put the people in our lives that can invest in us so that we have something to give to others when the Lord calls us to do that. We're going to open our Bible, and we're going to talk about what the shepherd is doing and the job of a shepherd and the purpose, what is, what is all this leading. And my, we, we've had goats, and my son Stephen, he just got some sheep. And the biggest uh, burden is feeding those animals because we don't have pastures and we don't take them out the pasture. We have, we call it in Creole, the pack, just like a little caged area and keeping them fed and that really when you think about all these you know we're leading into this pasture leading into that pasture is because they have to eat you know there's there's just all this grazing They're ru- what ruminatory animals I mean they have to graze a lot and they have all these stomachs and the stomachs have to have stuff in them you know because it's going to come up and go over and go down and come up and go over and go down so for all those stomachs, there has to be a lot of grazing. And there has to be time for grazing, and there has to be time for the masticating and getting it up and around and up and around. And all this leading to this pasture, it's not for our comfort. <laughs> you know, it's not for the sheep to be comfortable. It, they have to eat, and they go to a pasture, and very quickly, they eat it down. You know, and then it's okay. They, they ate that grass down, and you have to move them to the— unless you have, like, fast-growing grass— But the whole idea is they have to eat, and they they graze, and they eat a lot, and they eat all the time. And so we have to find those green pastures. The shepherd finds those green pastures and leads them to those green pastures, and you have to have the water. And tonight, I want to talk about the grazing of the sheep and the feeding of the sheep. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I love you, and I thank you so much for everything we've heard tonight. Your word, Lord, being exalted. You, Lord Jesus, being exalted, the Holy Spirit, being exalted. And I yield to you, Holy Spirit, to take control of my mind. And I yield to you, Father, to fill me with the Holy Spirit and power, that the faith of these women would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I yield my mouth to you, Lord, so no corrupt communication would proceed out of my mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. I love you, and I thank you in advance for what you've already planned to do, and what you're doing in jesus name amen so when we look in our bible in mark six thirty four, the bible says and jesus when he came out saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd and he began to teach them many things so he saw all these people they had heard of course of his miracles and when he had come out of the house, he had called the disciples apart. They had been very busy. And then when he came out of the house, there were all of these people that were gathered together. They heard about the miracles, and some of them had seen the miracles. Others, by word of mouth, they're coming to, to see for themselves and to get in on that. And so there was this great multitude of people. And when Jesus saw them, he was moved to compassion. And he did not go buy bread. He did not you know, go buy bottles of water. He did not feed them. with uh, with the bread that we would think of, he fed them the word of God. He began to teach them. And as we continue looking in verse 35, it says, And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about, into the villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. So when the Lord first saw this group of people, he had compassion on them, And, of course, they had come from far because news about the Lord Jesus had spread far. But the first need that he met was the teaching of the Word of God. And as we look through the Bible and as we'll look tonight, and I won't be long because I know it's getting close to bedtime, we must realize what is the grass, what is the grazing that the Lord Jesus wants for his sheep, and then yield ourselves to that. The Bible says in Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And then in 1 Peter 2.2, it says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. So even though green grass can be really toasty cozy, you know, and you want to take your shoes off and you want to walk in it with your bare feet, But the grass was for eating, and when the Lord Jesus wants to feed his people and he sends us to graze, it's for the feeding on the Word of God, and he wants us to graze there. I'm going to tell you a few stories, and the stories, they're true stories, but they're as a testimony, number one, to glorify the Lord, but also to show the part, the place that the Lord uses the Word of God in the lives of his sheep. When we first got to Haiti in 2004, it was the beginning of the year, and I had an 18-month-old, my first BJ. And when we first got there, uh, you know, we're new. My husband hadn't been there in 11, a little over 11 years, and we had gone on our survey trip, but our survey trip was really short, and now we're there to stay. So we were going to go and try to see what the open market was all about because I had never been to the open, uh, open market, and we were just kind of doing some exploring in our, in our area. So we went to the open market, and I had BJ strapped to me, and his face was out. It was the filthiest thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, gar- mounds of garbage, and it hadn't rained in a long time, but there's puddles of stuff. What's that? And so I'm thinking, where's the sewage? But there's no sewage, but there's puddles, and there's garbage, and it was filthy, and it was dusty, and you know, and all these new sounds and sights and smells, and it was just really overwhelming. But, you know, I'm trying to, you know, put on the courage. And, oh, man, wow. <laughs> and... You know, BJ is hooked to me, but his face is out. You know, it was so dusty. And all of a sudden, BJ's like, Hachoo! He's 18 months old, and oh, I'm, I'm just putting my hand in front of him, trying to wipe, you know, choo, choo. And I'm just wiping it, and I'm really not thinking. I'm not focusing in. I'm just, you know, automatic, you know, snot, choo, you know, wipe it, and I, I'm not looking at him. And then he, he sneezed, like, almost 50 consecutive times. Choo, 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 choo! And then my husband turned around, he, beloved, we have to go. And still, still, with all that, it's not registering with me that something's up with the little guy. But my husband, who's seeing his face, his eyes have swole, swollen shut like golf balls. And, of course, when I turned him around, you know, all, all that brave stuff just went out the door. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to rush him and grab him and run him home. And when we got home, it it. My husband, you know, beloved, just wash his eyes, and he's, he's so calm and steady, and, and then I want to get upset with him, because you have to be worried about this, you know, but no, he's calm, you know, and he goes to do something as I'm washing uh, BJ's face, but at that moment, I realized that there's no CVS, there's no urgent care, there's no emergency room, and that thought hit me really hard, and I just got really scared, and I just started crying. And I sat BJ down, as it were, afar, and then I went to sit. We didn't have furniture. Our container hadn't come. And I just kind of slid against the wall to the floor. And as I was crying, the Lord bought Isaac on the altar in my heart. And I just got really quiet. And I said, oh, okay, Lord. I said, Lord, if, if my children are to be a sacrifice, on the altar of service if you want to see that you mean more to me than him that he's yours my hands are open and you can take him as a lord don't let anything happen to them because i'm crazy or because i don't have knowledge of how to take care of my own kids because i'm used to just going down to cvs and doing something you know you can you can heal anything through cvs and i'm used to going to the urgent care and But now there's no CVS and there's no urgent care and there's no emergency room. And my faith, lock, stock, and barrel had to be on something else besides emergency room CVSs and pharmaceuticals and things. But the Lord used the word of God and he brought Isaac to my, my heart and showed me Isaac on the altar and Abraham putting him there. And that was when I surrendered my children to the Lord. And I said, Lord, I will not allow the health of our children or or their lives, by your grace, make decisions for me as a mom. But give me the wisdom to know how to take care of them. But if it's yours for you to take them, then my hands are open. And the Lord took me on a journey that day of teaching me how to take care of of the babies. Because I didn't, you know, if he wanted them, he could take them. But I wanted to be wise. And I asked him to teach me that wisdom, and he did that. Later, as we were there, it was really scary, because there's voodoo stuff all around, and you know, I had seen stuff on TV, because I grew up, you know, with all the horror movies and stuff, and that was just some really scary stuff. And I would be so worried about BJ, he was just a little baby, and I would often go in there to check on him during the night, and just praying over him. There would be these voodoo processions at two o'clock in the morning, passing in front of our house, and I could not sleep. I was always anxious and fearful. I was always fearful over BJ. I was always fearful of someone's watching. And I remember one night I went outside to check on BJ and our house was right on the main street. And as two o'clock in the morning, and as I went to uh, check on BJ, I was praying for him and I lifted my eyes to look outside and there's this man staring back at me. And just, and then these voodoo people and when, when they have devils, all kinds of crazy stuff start happening. And I was very anxious and I was very fearful. And then I began studying the Bible on sleep, and he gives his beloved sleep. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for Thou, Lord only makest me dwell in safety. And he sustains us in our sleep. And as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is around about his people, and he will never leave us nor forsake us. And that way we can say the Lord is our helper. And the Lord began really teaching me to go to the word of God and to feed because that was the only thing that was going to keep my mind intact, and it was the only thing that was going to keep my husband sane, because I was going to drive him crazy, because if I'm going crazy, he's going to go crazy too, because I'm not going there by myself. (laughs) But the Lord, he used the word, and he took me to the scriptures, and it wasn't like that day I had read those verses. This was the grazing all along the way, grazing often and grazing long on the word of God, and when there was a need, it was already there. I remember when I was expecting my second, Sissy, and I had a really hard time with BJ my first, so I had him in the States, but with Sissy, I decided, okay, I'm going to get active because we're not doing that again, and we lived, we had mountains in front of us, mountains on the side, so I decided every day I'm going to go walking up the mountain, and then I would pray, but this was also a very um, stressful time in our marriage, and I was struggling, and at that time, he was oblivious okay so it's all good (laughs) you know but i was struggling so he allowed me to you know go off every morning and i would go walking so i'll go walking up the mountain and as i'm walking i'm praying i'm getting my exercise and that multitasking and then i'm going to use that time to pray and the haitian people they thought i was crazy because while i was walking i'm praying and i'm talking and i'm all by myself and and they just thought look at that white they okay, they would call me a white woman because all Americans, they call white women, okay? Just so I can clarify that. So they would say, look at the white woman, you know, and she's talking to herself and they use the word Edgar which means stupid. So they're calling me a stupid white woman because I'm walking, I'm all by myself and I'm talking out loud. Then I would talk and I would cry and then I started walking, our church was on top of a mountain, and I would walk up the mountain, and I'm trying to get that exercise in. So then, I, okay, I'm going to write my prayer list, and I'm going to just be praying and walking. And then, because we're struggling in our marriage, I'm struggling in our marriage, and um, I'm going to write down all my prayer requests. He's doing this, and he ain't doing that, and he did <laughs> this, and he said, that. because I'm praying, and I'm just going to give it all to the Lord. So as I'm walking and I'm praying and I'm climbing the mountain and Lord, you saw him when he did this and he said this and he's not doing this. And then he had the nerve to say, Oh, but Lord, because I'm praying and I'm just spilling it out to the Lord. And I was doing that all the time. And that was really some toxic stuff because all I was doing was just masticating. I mean, I am, I am ruminating on bad stuff. So one night when I was up one afternoon, when I was up on the top of the mountain, and I had my list, and I'm, I'm doing that, that crazy stuff, and I'm just <laughs> And right there in my heart, I saw Job and the accuser before the Lord. And God spoke to my heart, why are you accusing my servant to me? I'm not accusing anybody, I'm praying, I said. And I'm thinking on that, Lord, I'm accusing. And I look back down at that supposed prayer list. He's doing this and he's doing that and he ain't doing this and he didn't do that. And did you hear what he said? He don't care. Oh, I'm accusing. And God used the scriptures again to speak to my heart what I could not see. You know, I'm thinking I'm using verses was casting all your cares upon the Lord. You know, that's what I'm using. I'm really thinking I'm, I'm doing something wonderful, but I was accusing God's servant to him. And God used the word of God to bring that to my understanding. I can pray and I can cast all my cares upon him, but the Lord said in everything give thanks for this is the will of God. And if you look at Philemon's, in Philemon's chapter one, he says that his giving thanks is going to cause them to share their faith effectually. And I wasn't doing that. And right there, I took that so-called prayer list, and I ripped it up, and I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I said, I don't ever want to accuse your servant to you. And I said, I'll take this marriage, and it'll be my responsibility, even if it's a one-man show. And the Lord turned everything around, but he used the scriptures to give me the understanding of what I was doing. There was another night in, in Haiti, the people they there's a in Haiti we haven't seen that much in the Dominican Republic but in Haiti when we first got there with my american televised mindset we were sitting in church service and there would be times where all of us during the preaching is preaching singing and then some girl always a girl always a young lady just throws herself down on the ground and start flip-flopping and you know a church got 150 people in it and everybody's just kind of looking over oh, okay oh and they're just singing i'm like oh and this is like when we first get and it's like what is this so they carry the girl out and they take her outside and they start sticking all these things under her fingernails because that's supposed to make her come too, because she's out of her mind and i'm just standing there all skeptical what's she doing and everybody's just making a big deal fanning her and fanning her and then i'm asking her what is she doing oh she has a devil Oh, whatever, get up! You just want attention, get up! Get up! Um, oh, all of that? And I'm thinking, you know, this is just a big put on, she just wants attention. And I'm very skeptical and not yet really understanding the devil in all of his ways and how he's manifested, especially in a culture like that. And so I was very skeptical and you was, we would see that thing all the time, always a young lady and this devil would come over her and she loses her brain and does all this kind of crazy stuff. And, and I'm always skeptical. She just wants attention and look at all them giving it to her too. <laughs> then I had two ladies that would come to my house every Saturday and we would pray together and This wasn't long after one of these incidents. And so every Saturday night we got together to pray together. And as we prayed together, one of them in my living room, this devil came over her in my living room. It's my house. You are not allowed to do that in my house. But it didn't matter what I said because she was not in her right mind. And then my husband and then our two assistant pastors they came over and there was a lot of praying and singing and pleading the blood. And I'm just really I'm starting to wonder about this, but really am not sure about it. And then when she came to herself, she explained to us that ever since she was ten, she had this thing coming over her, and she can tell when it's going to happen because she starts tingling from the bottom of her foot up her spine and. And but then she can't get control of it, and it, okay. And so I'm I'm starting to think about it. I'm starting to ah, what is this? And then one night when I was laying in my bed, I had a dream, a nightmare, and it was like a dark figure standing beside my bed. Well, even in my sleep, it shook me up. And so i was like, honey, honey, you got to get up and pray with me. Something's not right. Okay, beloved, Lord, help, beloved. Okay, baby, you go. You go i like, okay, so Jesus is me and you. But he, you know, he felt like, you know, it's just a dream, you know, just go back to sleep. It's going to be okay. And so I rolled over and I just, okay, tried to settle back into a sleep. And I, was, I wasn't in a deep sleep where the shadow was not by my bed. It was at my feet now. And I felt it, the, the tingles, like the lady had explained, and something trying to consume me. And I woke up, and I just started singing, and I just started praying, and I gave my testimony out loud, you know, because they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And then I started giving my testimony out loud, and I talked about the blood, and every verse I knew about the blood of Jesus Christ, and every song about the blood of Jesus Christ, every name of Jesus Christ, every name of God, because this was new to me, and I had to bring out all the guns because I didn't know which one of them was really appropriate for the task. So after about an hour of that, I felt like, okay, maybe I can go to sleep now. And as soon as I said that, the king of Israel lying in his bed dying, the prophet of Israel lying in his bed dying, and the king had come to him and the prophet said to him, shoot the arrows out the window because the Syrian army was coming against Israel. And then the prophet took the arrow and the bow and he shot three times. And then the prophet rebuked him because he said, if you had shot five times, you would have gotten a complete victory. And he said, you, the prophet had told him, you'll get a victory, but they'll come back. And that story came into my heart when I said, I can sleep now. And with that story, my six-month-old sissy was attached to it. And the message was, if I stop now, I get the victory tonight, but there will be an, an attempt at a re-entry, and it'll be through my daughter. That was the, the word to my heart through the king and the prophet. So I said, okay, Lord. And I got my Bible and I got my song book. And when I went to my husband's office and it was singing, singing, because it's when we sing praise, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. And I was singing and singing and singing. And I spoke my testimony out loud in every verse in the Bible that I had memorized. I was quoting about the blood of Jesus Christ and salvation through Jesus Christ. And that battle was being fought all night long. And then at around 6 o'clock in the, actually, roosters start crowing down there at 3.30. They don't tell time very well. And so at 3.30, the rooster started crowing, but it was still dark outside. But by 6 o'clock, the sun was coming up over the mountains, and I had just given my testimony again out loud, and I felt a weight of oppression lift off my spirit, the same way when I got saved and that debt had been lifted away, and I knew I had gotten the victory. But the Lord used the word of God that was already in my heart to... Guide me and make me know what I needed to do and and how, the Word of God and we're supposed to graze on it, and then later we were I was in a bad accident in Haiti going down the mountain, the brakes went out going down the mountain. Now How's Anderson is a wonderful college, but going down the side of that mountain, my mind was going through every file what to do when you're going down the mountain in Haiti, what you do when you're going down the side of a mountain in Haiti, and Hal Anderson didn't put that file there. There was no class. Uh, what to do when you're going down the mountain your brakes give out in Haiti and it was empty and I wasn't panicking But I was consciously mm-hmm, mm-hmm, And it just wasn't anything there now I have good, you know, okay, let's put that thing in neutral Let's do this, but there was nothing there at that time So I was careening down the mountain and I had BJ in the back and sissy was in the front and Jacqueline was in the front with another lady, and I'm in this Tahoe, and we're just going down the mountain. The brakes locked, the steering wheel locked, didn't have a horn, and there was a lot of people in front of us that were in the, sitting in the street playing dominoes and all that kind of stuff. But I don't have a horn. And so the file is still going, because we're still careening. And then it, it landed on, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous runneth into it, and is safe. That's where my mind went. Jesus, I just started calling the name of the Lord because that's, that's the verse that came in my mind for that moment. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then BJ, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Because that was the only thing. I mean, there was no brakes, there was no horn, there was no steering. There was just the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. So as we were going down the mountain, everyone eventually saw the van careening down and there was a little boy on a donkey do y'all know how stubborn donkeys can be especially when you for real need them to do something so this 10 year old boy is on the donkey and he has his um what's that thing he's trying to whip it out the way he has a stick and he's trying but the donkey's not going anywhere and he's fighting with the donkey i'm seeing him on the donkey everybody's yelling but he's not getting off the donkey he stays on the donkey and so I hit the donkey head on as fast as that van was going. And the boy, he flew up. He slammed down on the windshield and crumpled to the, to the ground. And me and BJ are still yelling for Jesus. And there's in front, down, so you come down the mountain, there's a perpendicular road, there's a river, and there's a house. I didn't want to plunge into the river, but the steering wheel is too stiff for me to turn it to make this 90-degree turn. So with the very last, geez, I'm turning it, and I stood into the steering wheel, and it turned just slightly enough to where we missed going in the river, and we hit the side of the house hard. But by God's grace and mercies, nobody was hurt bad. I was pregnant with Stephen at that time, but the baby was okay. Sissy had a slight bump. BJ bumped his head. But the first thing I thought about was the little boy in the in the road, you know, crumpled to the road. So in, in Haiti, a lot of times the custom is when there's an accident where someone is hit, then they get the driver, they snatch the driver, they burn the car, they abuse or kill the driver. So I'm trying to run back up to check on the boy, but this old man came out of nowhere, angels unawares, and he grabs me, he grabs my babies, and he hides us in his house. BJ runs up the mountain and gets my husband. But by the mercies of the Lord, the boy, he had not, I mean, not even a broken arm, just a sprained arm. But the, but the Lord gave the word... The righteous runneth, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and safe. He gave the word that I needed for that moment to get us through that difficulty. Not long after that, the Lord used that accident to catapult us into the Dominican Republic. We never wanted to leave Haiti. Brother Howells had taught us, you know, you go somewhere, you buy your tomb, you, build, you dig your grave, buy your tomb, set it up. Where you go, that's where you die. And we believed that, and we had bought into that, and we weren't... It was never in our mind or imagination to leave Haiti. But the Lord, for several months, had been sending people that were totally not connected with one another, putting that word into us about, you never considered the Lord wants you to leave. You never considered the Lord wants you to go to the Dominican Republic. But, you know, we weren't even trying to think about that because we didn't go there to leave. But because of that accident, the way Haiti is, You can call the police. So thank the Lord you have the police. You can call the police. If they don't have gas in the car, they're not coming. If it's their break, they're not coming. If they're taking their afternoon siesta, they're not coming. And so it's Sunday. They for sure not coming. So we had this accident, and we called the police. And we stayed there for an hour. We stayed there two hours. We stayed there, and they never came. Then we called our lawyer. He told us just to go home, and he would take care of everything. And that Monday, that was on Sunday, there was a warrant for my arrest for a hit and run. My husband already had an appointment to go across the border into the Dominican Republic because he was going to preach for Brother Bob Johnston's graduation. He had a Bible college. And so we just decided, before we knew about the warrant, we just decided we would go ahead and just keep that because I wasn't hurt so bad the children weren't hurt so bad and so we just decided to go and it's while we were on the bus to go to cross the border into the Dominican Republic the warrant was issued for my arrest and so of course we couldn't go back because you don't want to go to a jail in Haiti especially as a woman so we, we couldn't go back right away and the Lord used that to get us into the Dominican Republic and the way that we're trained here is you don't go anywhere and sit you know if there's nothing to do you get something going and so that's the way my husband did we went there and we were there and he started visiting places and while we're waiting because you don't know how long things will take in Haiti forever so he got a work started there and of course I was pregnant with Steven so when we got to the Dominican Republic I said you know it was time for us to have an ultrasound and so we went right there in Bani and we were gonna have an ultrasound so we go in there and the doctor was really just you know hey to see cuz they always want to practice their English cuz they think they can speak English and so we were Americans and oh, it's good to see you and, and oh how are you and he was so so folksy until he started doing the ultrasound and he got really quiet and really somber and so of course me I'm noticing this and I said doctor is everything okay everything is fine okay you can go now and he sent us away so I said honey I said, no, I said, something's not right. Can we go to the Capitol and do another ultrasound? So he was willing, and when we went to that to the Capitol to ultrasound, was the same thing. So the doctor, he, he's really folksy and talking and laughing, and then as soon as he does the ultrasound, he gets very somber and very quiet. But then he says, Mrs. Larice, I do have some difficult news for you. Your baby has spina bifida. You can see the fluid on his brain. And then he showed us where the protrusion was already coming out of the baby's back. And he said, you'll have to go to the States because for the kind of brain surgery he'll have to have upon birth, it's not one that they could do here in the country. And of course, we were devastated. But we went home, and we called Haiti, our people in Haiti, and they began praying. We had just started the church in the Dominican Republic. They started praying. People at First Baptist were praying, My home church, every, a lot of people were praying. And one day, as I was doing my devotions, I was reading my Bible, but I was thinking I came to Psalm 50 verse 4 and it says, offer unto me thanksgiving and call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. And everything that I read that morning, that verse arrested my attention. Offer unto God thanksgiving and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will, I will answer thee, I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. And as I read that verse, in my mind, I started thinking about all our ladies in Haiti because they would always bring their little babies to me. They had these emaciated babies, very newborn babies, and they're just skin on bones, emaciated. There's one lady on the mountain. She had been pregnant three times, and all three times they were twins And they already couldn't eat. They were already very poor. But every time the women had issues with their babies or sickness, they would bring their babies to Madam Pastor. I would either go buy them food or buy them milk or get them to the doctor or give them whatever they needed to take care of their children. So as I was praying that day, and that verse there, I was just thinking about all these women who could bring their baby to Madam Pastor. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't have a Madam Pastor that I could take my baby to. And I asked the Lord that day to please just have mercy on our baby and heal our baby. And that's the verse that the Holy Spirit gave me to hold on to. And at the same time, he was working in my husband's life because my husband was discouraged with the Haitian people. And the Lord did a work in his heart to recommit himself to the work that God had him to do. And we decided, based on the promise that God gave us, and based on his dealings with my husband, that we would stay put, and we would trust that the Lord was going to see us through that somehow. It wasn't because of not being fearful. It wasn't because we had some other plan. It was because God had given us a promise in his word. And based on that promise, we made the decision to stay. And then little Stephen was born, and he was perfectly healthy. He didn't have any issues whatsoever. And we just gave God all the glory for that. But God used the word The grazing and the truth of his word to build our faith and to give us something to stand on. When shepherds take care of sheep and they're leading them from place to place, it's for grazing. And that grazing should be on the word of God. And all of those stories are number one to give God the glory because only he can work those things. But also to show us the power of the word of God to give us direction and to lead us and to be that lamp into our feet and our light into our path. Let's go to Matthew 16. Do I have five minutes? Let's go to Matthew 16. Well, I won't read the whole thing. So Jesus, really quickly to finish, Jesus had just got finished feeding the multitude, and he got Peter and John into the boat. You can read it on your own. It's Matthew 16, 5 through 12. He just finished feeding 5,000 people. Now they're on a boat, and they're on their way, and it's Jesus, James, uh, Peter, and James, and John. They're on their way across the sea. And he just got finished feeding a bunch of people. But Jesus said to them, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And James and all those guys, they thought it was because they forgot to take bread. And Jesus upbraided them because of their unbelief. He said, do you not consider that we just fed 5,000 people with just, you know, two fish and five loaves? And he said, I'm not talking to you about bread. He said, I'm talking to you about the doctrine, about the teachings of the Pharisees. And one thing that we have to be so careful about as we're grazing, because we women can be very hungry for knowledge and very hungry for information, and so we're not selective as we should be. And as they were saying earlier, we'll just, we want to just consume books, and that was me, because I knew I didn't know what I was doing, and I wanted to read everything I could because I wanted to get all the knowledge that I could. But then the Bible says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So as God's sheep, as we're grazing, we have to be so selective. And the, what the Lord Jesus wants us grazing on is the word of God. But when we get so, um, I hate to use we're zealous, but we're just, we're, we're, we know that we need something, and we know that we're lacking, and we know that we're insufficient. So we just start reading all these books. And like Miss Vax has said, you know, the title sounds good and oh man, that's just what I needed and oh wow, that's going to be good or it's the, the newest hottest. And I love books and I, and I try to really get my children reading books, but God says beware of the rudiments of this world and philosophies of devils and as we're grazing, we have to be so selective. Preacher at the beginning, he talked about killing his sheep because they were feeding and they ate the wrong kind of grass. And as we are grazing and as God is leading us, the only Thing we can read without defenses up. The only book we can come to totally surrendered and open to receive all that it has is the Word of God. And my husband is so wise, he does read, but he feasts on the Word of God. And he's taught our children to feast on the Word of God. And we're to be grazing, and we're supposed to be grazing on the Word of God. So the Good Shepherd is feeding. He's leading us, and it's ours to graze, to graze long, to eat deeply, and to be very selective and make sure that our main diet is the Word of God.